Hello everyone, uh, welcome to Manufacturing Up. My name is Dave Griffith. Uh, we are here live from Hanover Mesa 2023. I am here with Tommy. Uh, I'll go ahead and introduce him in just a minute. Uh, he is from Nokia. Uh, it is it is super exciting. Uh, he has watched the he, he at least said he watched the show a couple of times. Yes, I have done that. Okay. Thanks, thanks for the show. A absolutely, Tommy. Yeah. Th thank you for being here. And thank you for thank you for inviting me to your show. Oh, absolutely. I am always happy to have conversations, and it is a rare occasion that we get to do one of these live from kind of, as, as I would say in English, the, the mecca of manufacturing shows yeah. at Hanover Mesa. We, as probably the listeners have, have heard uh, over the course of this week, have had a lot of background and other noise. Um, as I look at my watch, I think our, our baseline is like somewhere between 80 and 85 decibels uh, on a good quiet moment. And so I, I will be honest, there have been a couple of times where I've gone to find a quiet place. I put my AirPods in my ears and I turned on noise canceling and yeah, I had yeah. an almost quiet uh, five minutes. Yeah. I had a good, I had one of my, my friends from online, uh, Jakob, he, I, I, was, I was in back. I was going to go take five minutes and have a drink yesterday. And he sends me a picture and he's like, I'm at the booth. Where is Dave? And I'm like, well, I guess I'm not eating lunch today. And so I, I got to meet a bunch of great people. Yeah. So I, I am super super excited uh, to be here. Uh, today, Tommy and I are going to go ahead and jump in in just a moment. Um, I will say, if you guys are new here, welcome. If you've been here before, welcome back. We are on a completely different time schedule because we are eight or nine hours off of, I believe, no, I think we're only six hours off of the East Coast of the United States because I've gotten a number of East Coast United States messages already to uh, already today. But, but we are fairly far off, so if you guys are here and are in the chat, please feel free to go ahead and say hi. If you've got questions, please go ahead and let us know. Um, we, we will do our very best to go ahead and answer those questions. Uh, and just before we uh, just before we kick off, I will again say thank you to Litmus for sponsoring this theme and also for putting together this amazing booth and giving us the opportunity to do a bunch of live content from the booth. Uh, without further ado, everyone, welcome to Manufacturing Hub. My name is Dave Griffith. My co-host Vlad Romanov is not asleep because I've talked to him this morning, but but he is not here in Europe with me. I am joined by Tommy Lati. Was yes, it close? That was. Correct. Okay, that was correct. That's the only. Yes. That, that is the only time I will say his last name. Yeah. I promise to butcher it. I, I may not. I may be proven incorrect. But but Tommy, you you would come over earlier today. We had an amazing conversation as to kind of all of your experience. Would you mind telling everyone? Uh, yeah. Would you mind telling everyone at home kind of your background, your experience, and what you're yes, doing now? I would be glad. So so uh, I've actually studied automation in university. Mm -hmm. My uh, main subject was uh, uh, intelligent and learning control, but two decades ago there wasn't this machine learning hype yet, so I ended to build a Nokia Symbian platform. Then after th that, that was a decade for building great so uh, software in different roles, but then I was building e-learning platforms, okay. and before joining to Nokia I was actually in, in a Finnish refining company, building OT digitalization software. Okay. So I was responsible as product, uh, product manager for data historian, data analytics, uh, ML pipeline, and uh, AI advisor yep. for, for process industries. Okay. And then now I'm continuing at Nokia, where I left from uh, Neste. Okay. So we are 
currently we are onboarding uh, industrial applications to our edge computing platform uh, going beyond connectivity, giving extra value for our end customers. That's what we are looking for with these applications. And then, of course, Litmus Edge is a great example of this kind of applications. Absolutely. I will say, I think some of our listeners got the chance to watch uh, our couple of Litmus Edge live builds that we were doing earlier this week. Uh, I know that we were a little quiet, um, or everything was a little jumbled during that, so we will do our very best to go give some more uh, Litmus Edge information as, as we go later into the theme and, and beyond that. So kind of walking back uh, to your career before Noki, you said that you spent a number of years in Finnish refineries. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And I will say, and I told Tommy as we were getting on, that we do our very best to bring on a variety of guests from a variety of different backgrounds, but I am pretty sure he is the first person from all of Scandinavia, uh, or not, no, no, I'm sorry, all the first person from any of the Nordic countries, and absolutely the first person from Finland um, on the show. Can, so can you tell us a little bit more about what that looks like? And I don't know if you've got experience yeah. in, in other oil refineries. I would imagine it's colder there, and so there are yes. more. Yeah, there is, uh, of course, there is uh, own challenges with that, but... Um, nothing uh, too heavy so uh, I think that refining is basically same thing around the globe of course the uh, uh, cold weather has its own uh, uh, characteristic for that but but I, I think also Russian and uh, there is other cold environments like Canada and so yes. so nothing very typical or special on that I think okay. and otherwise I think uh, we all know that process industries and especially refining is quite traditional area, so it's quite hard to get uh, uh, things uh, proceeding fastly, mm-hmm. and uh, that's that's one obstacle in there. Absolutely, and a uh, lot of a uh, lot of brownfield assets that uh, need still be, be running. So. Absolutely. And, and I know you said that you were doing so, some AI. I know you were, said you were doing a lot of process historian and other applications. Yeah. Was that, in your experience, normal for the refining in the part of the world you live, or is that more almost cutting edge? I think it was very much cutting edge. Okay. Because uh, I'm quite proud of that, because uh, when we uh, uh, launched our AI advisor to, to the world, a day, a day before that, we heard that our uh, or the industry's biggest player was uh, introducing its concepts on the okay. same idea that we were already running in production. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. And then, can I ask on some of those uh, on, on some of the, those AI applications that you were working? Uh, were you finding? large benefits? Were you getting increased throughput or reduced downtime? What yeah. were you looking for? What was the reason why you were building that? Well, there was a numerous uh, benefits that we were looking for mm-hmm. and I hope that after since that I have left they have been uh, introducing those more but of course we had to start somewhere so uh, getting more output was, was the first uh, production yep. version so optimizing the yield, mm-hmm. yield of production. And we did it uh, for, I think, uh, quite a typical uh, crude oil distillator okay. first. 
and uh, yeah but then after that i think there was a huge amount of other benefits that we were looking for with this because we we had also um, uh, process simulators in our portfolio and those were used for training the operators of course okay. and uh, there were quite great models, so first principle models behind of those. Mm -hmm. And we were of course planning then that we should uh, combine the AI models and the first principles models. Yeah. And use also, uh, build, build for example, uh, uh, models for getting uh, behavioral uh, information from, so, so how, how experienced operators are running the process and try to get that data to model and then try to use it for uh, training fresh fresh operators yes so lots of ideas uh, and I think that portfolio was uh, for many years but we had to start so from somewhere so so that was that was the reason we first introduced this uh, uh, advisor for uh, crude oil distillation interesting um, I would like to point out one of our earlier episodes. I believe it was in the 60s we had Alan Ray on, and at that point Alan was working for a midstream uh, operator in in California. They do something like 25% of the Californian uh, oil and gas pumping. And so he also talked about different ways and different technologies that can be used to, to leverage that. Yeah. What, what I have found is that while oil and gas is very big and we move many, many gallons or many, many barrels, there are relatively thin margins. And so yeah. anytime you can make an extra one or two or 5% anywhere, there is generally a good chance that you want to, to go after that. Yeah. What I learned is, is still is that um, I, from my perspective, I thought, uh, I get the experience that maybe the bigger... Uh, margins or bigger uh, savings are easily more easier to get from for example other parts of the supply chain mm -hmm. but of course we were concentrating to uh, production so that was our but of course you have to take close uh, look for over the whole supply chain and integrate it as as well as possible absolutely and then of course another interesting part is that uh, this company that I was working was uh, is is actually world's biggest uh, renewable diesel producer. Okay. So uh, that that raw material comes from a very little uh, 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 sources, which must be combined. Combined, and mm -hmm. there is a lot of uh, integration and work in, in supply chain okay. to get things things work smoothly. Absolutely. No. No. I I think I think that that is. That, that is very interesting. And I'd like to, to slightly transition into a bit of what you're doing now, because I know a lot about what you did has, has transitioned into what you're doing now with Nokia. So can you let us all, can you let all of us know what it is that you're doing now uh, with Nokia, please? Yes, yes. So I joined to the uh, Mission Critical Industrial Edge team uh, about, about roughly a year, year ago. And it's part of the larger Nokia Digital Automation Cloud, mm -hmm. which is uh, uh, providing customers uh, private wireless connectivity, uh, LTE and private uh, 5G connectivity. Okay. And we have also Wi-Fi 6 in, in our portfolio. And there might be some other 
technology is coming also. Ooh. Yeah, who knows? But that's uh, then I'm not con concentrating on that connectivity part. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for beyond connectivity. So my role is this edge, edge computing platform and how we can uh, give customers uh, value beyond that connectivity. So we are looking for applications that help, other, help our end customers solve their problems. And uh, my responsibility, I'm officially I'm a web scale product manager. So I'm looking for web scalers, uh, Azure, Google Cloud, uh, AWS capabilities that we can use on our, our uh, platform. Okay. But then also I'm looking for, because of my background, I'm looking for these industrial connectors. Okay. And uh, looking how to, how to build then intelligence on, on that platform, which is then easily connected to wireless or wired. Uh, wireless or wired uh, uh, environments. Yep. No, no, I think that's very interesting. And I think you said that a lot of what you were doing with the refineries, it was good work, it was interesting work, but you found issue going and scaling some of those. And so that yeah. is part of the reason why, why you made the transition over to Nokia? Yes, yes, and oh, yeah, okay. There is uh, lots of reasons behind that, but I can say that uh, what I experienced and learned is that it's very important to pay attention to this scalability and uh, transferability of the solution part because uh, what I've seen and what I think that industry sees a lot is that there is easy to build some kind of proof of concept, mm -hmm. get nice results for, from some assets or some, uh, some plant quite fast and easily. But yes. then if you then present these results to the management and they say that hey now we want to use the same technology also our at our other plants yes so then the problem starts yes. and uh, i believe that uh, for that we need uh, solutions that can easily integrate to uh, different data sources and build like an uh, harmonized platform mm -hmm. where you get the data in the same format based based wherever it is. Okay. So that's 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 why I came to the litmus booth. Absolutely. No. No, I th I think it's very interesting and we've had many conversations about scale this week at the litmus booth. We've had a couple of conversations uh, on this channel about that. Uh, I and Dave McMorin uh, f uh, from Litmus and Simon Floyd from Google, we all had a conversation up on the stage yesterday about scale, and, and we actually had an, it, we had an interesting conversation, and l let me get your, your take yeah. on this, Tommy, right? So, so Dave McMorin's comment is that there are kind of two types of scale, right? There, there's vertical, so you can go up and down. Um, either to additional facilities or to the cloud or to other places. Yeah. And then there's also horizontal in which you can go add more machines, you can go add more lines, uh, you can go kind of continue on that path. Is, is the vertical versus horizontal scaling something that you guys either at the refinery or at Nokia or you personally have considered? Or would you think about it and would you think about scale as, as something different? Well, I, I think... It I think it was uh, how you can uh, like copy and paste one solution from one one uh, plant to another plant. Yes, that's one aspect, of course. Then, well, there is many many flavors on that, but 
of course both horizontal and vertical are important but I think that uh, vertical one is that you first have to handle before you go to horizontal yes I th that's what I think that is is the common scenario yes. and I, I guess for, from my perspective working with, with not you know huge multinationals as, as you have been is that most of the time we don't really consider how an application scales yeah. right so let's say we're looking for a, an application to solve something and maybe we're looking for an additional five percent throughput so we, we go and we do what we need to find the five percent throughput yeah and and we would as as i would say in english we would hard code it right yeah we would have no thoughts on what will the next person do we would just go through the process and just go yeah. we would write the code that needs to be yeah, and we would find the five percent and then exactly. we would never think about it again yes, and i think that this is also a business model for many companies yes because it it generates a lot of uh, work oh, so yeah. let me ask you a question on that do you think yeah. it's an intentional business model of they just want to go sell more and more hours or do you think it's an unintentional business model of we I didn't have better after tools all, i think it's un unintentional yes yeah okay i, I would it, agree with that yeah i i would agree with that I, yeah. I agree i feel like it is it is unintentional and as we talk about how can we should we do we scale a company um, as an integrator, as a service provider, it almost exclusively becomes we need to hire more people. Yeah. And we, because we have to hire more people, then we need to sell more hours and we, we need yeah. more work yeah. because we don't think about putting templates or modules yeah. or leveraging SDKs yeah. uh, into going and building a generation and, of solutions and it's, that it's almost scale. that it's, I, I think the industry is so, so used to it that we don't even think about it. Yes. Yeah. So, I guess as a follow-up to that, Tommy, is do you think the industry is going to change? Yes, I believe it. Okay. Yeah, because they have to. We see many kind of problems related to these issues that we are not... We, we have a great uh, promises of Industry 4.0 that it, it will be scalable, it will uh, allow uh, many kind of automation and things, but I think that the truth is that if we don't tackle these certain things that we we don't get uh, scalability, transferability and uh, these kind of things work properly, yes. we are not achieving those greater targets. I, I, yeah. I agree. And uh, for that what I, what I believe and what I've understood is that we need uh, standardization, we need uh, APIs, Yep. So we need uh, common uh, information models or data structures that everyone in industry will share. Yes, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. I, I think we need the standardization. I think we need the data models. I, yeah. I think that that is what we need. But more than that, I feel like we need to change our mindset. Yeah. I think it is yeah. a shift in mindset away of how can I do this job into the how can I go build something that, that is repeatable. And yeah. I feel like for many of these conversations, we can take away the, the, the phrase, the word scale, and just replace it with repeatability. Yes, yes, repeatability is is great, great uh, word for that. Yes. What, what I'm uh, now talking about with scaling of yes. things, so, so repeatability.
Absolutely. Yeah. So I spent a number of years uh, working and running a systems integration company, and we would do the same thing over and over and over yeah. again, right? So someone yeah. is looking for an, an MES, or they're yeah. looking for an OEE, and at some point after like the third or fourth one we did tell me, I'm like, guys, why are we building the same thing yeah. over and over again? And so you, you could take that and you build it into custom code, you build it, you use an SDK, you build it into modules or something yeah. to get to the point of, hey, we can go and have 80, 90, 95% of the same solution, go make a couple of tweaks or customizations yeah, on the back end. Exactly. And in, in my mind, that is the first step. In, yeah. in, in my mind, that is the first step of where we need to go yeah. to find true scalability and repeatability. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I, I think that uh, what I've understood and how I see is that, uh, for example, in manufacturing, uh, companies are seeing the, this because there is a big, there is a big uh, large uh, supply chains, mm -hmm. so, so those chain vendors. And I think that if we are, we want to see this kind of lot size one uh, production, we have to have everything uh, automated so that companies can very uh, efficiently share information between them without uh, uh, deep uh, integration projects. Yes. So that's that's why I believe that something like uh, what what here in Europe OPC Foundation is building, and then there is. International, uh, in, international uh, data spaces which are building uh, on that and we, we will see many kind of integrations with then enable different parts of the whole picture which I don't even understand but I try to understand because of course uh, we are dealing uh, again from my point of view yes. my perspective uh, we want to support our uh, customers at edge mm -hmm. and on-prem environment but yes. we have to uh, Eventually, we have to talk to all kind of systems wherever in the world they are yes. to integrate the supply chains and so. So we have to understand the whole picture, even that we are building the small part at the edge environment. I agree with that. I guess. Yeah. Let me ask Tommy: Is where do you think that change is going to be pushed from? Will Will it be pushed from like OPC found OPC UA Foundation? Will it be pushed from major multinationals? Will it be pushed from thought leaders like the ones here uh, this I, week? That's that's a tricky question. I don't have answer for this yeah, <laughs> because yeah. if I had, I would uh, go and uh, ask them to do something yeah. for it. But I, I think everyone has some kind of uh, puzzle in this to play. So I believe that big companies should not notice and I believe that they are noticing it that it's eventually must have and I think OPC Foundation for example is doing great job but there is this puzzle is so complicated that it's it's quite hard to understand the whole whole picture so some kind of uh, some kind of easy easily uh, uh, Easy, easy way to tell tell this whole whole picture. We need mm -hmm. some at some point so that we can get the message through. Okay, I I, agree, I agree with that. I I know you and I had a long conversation of will it be OPC UA Foundation? Will yeah. it be ISA with ninety five yeah. or maybe even eighty eight batch? Right? Yeah. Like, will it be one of these? 
And as much as my heart would like it to be one of these foundations, I just, I don't know because we haven't had that force. And I guess from my perspective, I talk to many clients, right? And I talk to many clients struggling with these same questions. And at the end of the day, I do not have good answers for them. And and I am, it it hurts me that I do not have good answers for them. Same, same for me. So, so I've used to look uh, things from, uh, OPC perspective, OPC UA perspective, mm-hmm. and uh, been, been uh, for example, been uh, arranging the OPC Day Finland in, in our uh, neighborhood. So, so I have uh, some uh, some kind of special relationship to OPC UA and okay. the foundation, but that's that's just what I've experienced. Yes. And, uh, maybe it's also that I don't see other parts from that reason also no what what i tell what i tell clients what i tell customers what i tell people i'm talking to about this is you have to pick what works for you and your organization yeah make an internal standard and almost regardless of what that standard looks like you have to go stick with that standard yeah and that is more important than which standard we follow Yes. I do not know what it will take to go have all of us go and commit to it at the same standard. And it is, it, I would imagine it is frustrating for them because it is frustrating for me to tell them yeah. that, that there is no standard. Yeah. I have developed like a pretty good hierarchy based upon previous projects that have seemed to work. But then to, to your point about hyperscalers, right, cloud services, every one of them has a slightly different flavor. Yeah. Right? Like Google is slightly different from AWS, which is slightly different from Microsoft. And then you've got OSI Soft Pi with their, their uh, asset framework. And, yeah, you've yeah, got, yeah. and so exactly. everyone has something a little bit different. So yeah. it, I suppose if you're going to standardize on something, either find a an edge, find a data platform that can go speak all those languages yeah. or standardize at the level that that you are going to go use. But my, my issue with that is commitment, right? We are committing yeah. medium to long term for an extended period yeah, of time exactly. to that. Yeah. And if we make, if we, we decide to go change, then not only are we going through the issue of, I've got to go change all of my platforms and all of this, but we're also going through the issue of, I've got to go change all of my data hierarchy. Yeah, yeah, yes. So, so how I see and how I think is that uh, eventually still we have to get the world back to the, together. That's almost like what we at Nokia say that the world must act together. So, yes. so uh, it's, uh, it has to lean on some, some kind of standard yes. which then is uh, accepted by the most of the industry and then maybe some, somebody have to uh, then adapt itself but of course it has to come inside of the industry yeah but what it is what what's the final standard i don't know yes but i i prefer talking and using opc ua because of my background as i maybe mentioned that when i was a product manager for this uh, ot digitalization software we used we used the OPC UA in, in interfaces and in information modeling and 
we saw a lot of uh, benefits from it. So, Absolutely. so maintain maintenance of, of the applications was much much easier. For example, if, if I talk about KPI dashboards, um, it was uh, we were talking internally that we were lucky that we take the extra effort to build the information model and using the standard because otherwise it would be too tedious to to uh, maintain the KPI dashboard application. Absolutely. Yeah. No, and, and I, I have said it before, I've said it again, I think OPCUA is, is a great communication platform uh, uh, and protocol. Uh, we talk a lot about MQTT on this show, yeah. so I think MQTT also does a good job. I think that there are many current, current generation platforms, yeah. both of those included, and we are almost blessed with many options, right? Yeah. It wasn't that many years ago that it was OPC DA, right? Yeah. And, and DH plus and all of the yeah, yeah. all of the different protocol wars. And now, if I remember and have understood right, is that there is OPC UA over MQTT, at least coming. Okay. So interesting. This is <laughs> I, I have yeah. heard talk of OPC UA. Pub sub, so publish subscribe, yeah, yeah, and and that solves some security and other concerns for some people on OPC yeah, UA. Okay. I feel like so many people have OPC UA servers; it just makes sense. Like I am never going to go suggest to a client that they go rip out all of their servers. Yes, definitely, definitely. That, that yeah. just does not make yeah. sense. Yes, what I what I think is a good option in in many many uh, cases is that. You should uh, get extra, uh, like extra layer for over your existing hardware and systems where you have OPC UA interface, whether it's, it, it's PubSub or a client server, yeah. maybe maybe PubSub nowadays because we are seeing the rise of uh, event-driven architecture, so very natural selection. But don't uh, rip off uh, existing uh, f functionalities for the sake of that you you want to replace them with some other system absolutely yeah. i i would agree with that tommy let's go talk a little bit about nokia so we had stefan yeah. here earlier this week uh we were chatting a bit about what you guys are doing we were talking about wireless we were talking about 5g we were 4g and 5g so we were talking about lots of things that you are putting your edge solutions on so, so can you tell us a little bit more about what you're doing and how you're leveraging kind of that core Nokia Wi-Fi cellular um, background into solutions? All right. Solutions? Yes, yes. Uh, I can I can describe it very very uh, shortly because uh, I take it uh, granted. It just works. It's coming for customers as a service, mm -hmm. so that they don't uh, have to uh, take care of it. Okay. Uh, we have a, we have a Nokia Digital Automation Cloud, which is uh, used for in, in this uh, application for this, uh, to, for example, to maintenance and for uh, downloading the uh, applications, for example, to our our edge environment. So it's easy easy to integrate. We have a uh, uh, tools to uh, uh, make the correct dimensioning and, and network architectures for okay. customers and uh, uh, of course uh, uh, specialists for, for that and so uh, for this uh, I'm, I'm sorry but I have to be quite quite short in my 
I, in my talk that uh, because I'm not a subject matter expert on that. No, no, th that's yeah. okay. I, I think the, the I take it as granted. Yes, oh, yeah. I, I, I it like just that. works. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I, yeah. I, as I get older, as I work with more different technologies, I always appreciate something that, that just works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, with what you're doing, are you expecting? I mean, Nokia is here at Hanover Mesa, right? Yeah. Uh, do you guys have a large number of industrial clients? We have uh, almost, I think, if I remember right, uh, uh, 600 uh, customers with our private okay. wireless connectivity uh, and expanding portfolio for manufacturing. And currently I'm working with projects uh, for uh, process industries. Okay. So we are extending, of course, and looking for new, new areas where we could deploy these private wireless networks and then go beyond with applications to give extra value for customers and that's what okay. we are doing we you may know that we have announced a, a partnership with uh, and, and uh, with with kindrill mm -hmm. and with I saw that. Uh, yeah so so we are building together a, a solution for, for end customer and using for example litmus uh, edge on yes. this so that's that's what i do in in daily basis currently very exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. And we are looking for especially uh, process industries in this. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Now, is Nokia, uh, are you deploying solutions worldwide? Is it mostly in Europe? Yes, we are a worldwide company. Okay. So wherever the, the plant or need or campus is, we are able to deploy. And okay. we are also, of course, we are uh, expanding our partner networks. So we are currently uh, 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 using more and more uh, uh, system integrator partners like like in release and DXE for example in okay. Europe is, is one of the big big uh, partners for us absolutely uh, yeah no so, no I, I think that that's very exciting I've got to spend yeah. a little time in the Nokia booth I hope to spend some more time in the Nokia booth uh, tomorrow yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. there there is much Nokia booth. Um, yeah. more than more than I had uh, initially expected that you just keep going back I think it yeah. is 30 or 40 feet yeah deep. we are not we are not anymore a phone company yeah so I, I was talking to the guys uh, about Nokia and our comments was everyone remembers those Nokia yeah. uh, in English we would call them bricks like yeah 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 but yes the, the, the bricks non destroyable not you can't yes. destroy it uh, yeah. I, I think I had an uncle who had one for like nine years yeah and we're like why do you continue to wear the or use this and he can says because it just works yeah so I'm interested to see what the, the next generation of of Nokia products yeah looks like so so this is uh, what we are currently working on so mm -hmm. so we are what what I do and what our team does is is that we are, as mentioned, we are looking for extra value beyond connectivity, and we are onboarding, expanding this uh, partner ecosystem, onboarding uh, different applications which helps then uh, end customers, and which our uh, partners can can then take benefit and we build the actual solution. Because in many cases still, we are not on that point that. Uh, uh, customer could just uh, deploy your so, uh, software to the edge and then it would work okay. because the industrial environment is so heterogeneous yes. and there is we need still uh, but we want to go that direction that we get 
more automation in integration. So that's why I'm talking about uh, information modeling, for example, and standard uh, interfaces between uh, applications, for example. And yeah, yeah that's, that's the reason. Absolutely. No, no, I, I think that's interesting. I guess, Tommy, you've listened to a few shows, so I always like to, to talk about interesting applications. Yeah. I will preface this by saying I don't know if there are any public applications that you can talk about, but, but are there some interesting applications that you guys are looking at leveraging the, the, what Nokia has as a core to go help yeah. users? Of course, we want to uh, listen carefully our end customers. So, so we are expecting also that end customers and our partners will tell us that what kind of uh, applications are needed on that. And that's what we do a lot. Yep. But um, it's very hard to say just one. Of course, we see it, uh, for example, video processing is very uh, important feature yes. what is coming and we see a lot of uh, uh, quality inspection theme is coming but we already one one application that we presently launched is is ATOS for that is but similar so so we are we are onboarding everything that uh, brings intelligence okay. or enables intelligence like okay. this now this litmus edge and another application for that category is crosser node so okay. these are middle layer applications that can be easily used for refining information of the uh, heterogeneous data at yes. its environment and of course you know that but then it can be fed or pushed to any any uh, place where needed so yes. right information to right people at right time is that what what is is like leading this uh, so so it's 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 what we we try to achieve with this absolutely no yeah. no i would agree with that i think those are good points we actually had a question here from uh from ajit uh they're saying nice briefing on industry 4.0 solutions thank you very much uh, they want to talk about dealing with field level data how do we feed the data back into the digital factory scenario I feel like that very much paired with what you were just saying. Yeah. But would you like to talk a little bit about how you can go ahead and connect well, those devices? Well, yeah. Uh, for example, in process industries, there is architectures for that. Uh, for, for example, Namur Noah is what we are uh, looking for. Mm -hmm. But then one, one aspect is that if we use the data for uh, and refine the value from it, we can, of course, we have a human always on, on the loop, yes. especially if we talk about AI solutions. So, yes. so I see that, that we should, when we have AI, we should uh, keep it as an uh, advisor to human. So human takes the final decision whether this is right or wrong. And uh, then, then, then that's the feedback yes. loop. That closes the feedback. And then one other important angle in that is that we can simultaneously use that for, for uh, uh, bring, uh, increasing the sim uh, situational awareness of the human. Yes. Because that increases safety. So that's like a win-win-win. We get uh, many, many important aspects. I absolutely agree. Simultaneously when we, when we uh, keep human in the loop and uh, use his uh, judgment to make the decision. Absolutely, I yeah. would agree with that. And just kind of to, to add on to that, uh, talking about bringing field-level devices back, 
I find that there are always a couple of ways to do it, right? We can take it into a more legacy controller yeah. um, or, or take those legacy controllers, attach them to something like a Nokia device. And so we've got Wi-Fi, we've got cellular, so we can go ahead and push that to the cloud. We can go ahead and connect it to our SCADA or other system uh, within the network, but not having to be digitally, not having to be connected by Ethernet. Uh, so, so that is a good way, and I deal with that, especially in facilities who it is very expensive to run long runs of Ethernet cable, very expensive yeah. to go run long runs of power. Uh, perhaps it's something like a, a refinery. I don't know if you saw it there, but like they've got many places, many remote places that it doesn't make sense to run power and Ethernet if you can get away from yeah, yeah. not running power and Ethernet. You are right. yeah. uh, so, so I see a lot of that. And then also, secondarily, uh, another interesting solution that I've seen is going and taking devices, be it sensors or otherwise, and going and just connecting them into a device. And once we've connected them into a device, like what you guys have on the Nokia side, we can just go send via Wi-Fi, via cellular, via whatever, that information, again, back to on-prem servers and or directly up into the cloud. Yeah. And with the, I, I, because it is Litmus Edge, and I know a little bit about Litmus Edge, I know that we can normalize that data to whatever the data modeling that we have is. Yeah. Uh, to, to Ajit's next question that they had asked about uh, digital twin assembly scenario, etc. I will say that because we, we did a live demo of it through the through the litmus edge, we are able to go ahead and leverage digital twin on the code uh, scenarios so that we can go ahead and simulate that. Yeah. So there is simulation. Uh, what I've learned, Ajit, uh, over the last couple of weeks is everyone has a slightly different version of what Digital Twin is, right? Yeah. For some of us, it's 100% simulation. We can go put on goggles and like walk through a digital three-dimensional factory. For others of us, if we can simulate the code, it's good. For most of us, it's, it's somewhere in between. So it, it really depends upon the application yeah. and the scenario when it comes to yes. that. And what I have been thinking about Digital Twin is that there might be a database model, there might be first principle model. We use those uh, for simulation or, or building what-if scenarios and then give a, a human operator, for example, uh, extra information to support the decision making that how, how I should run this, this asset, for example, now. So that's one kind of uh, digital twin. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. I think that's a fantastic question. Uh, thank you, Ajit. Um, I, I do want to again thank Litmus. If you guys weren't here earlier, Litmus is both sponsoring this theme in which we talk about delivering high impact solutions quickly. I don't know from, uh, from Tomi's ex uh, opinion if we can possibly deliver it more quickly than throwing it into a, a Nokia device through a Litmus edge and then directly up into the cloud to make decisions. Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, well, we are now now building partnerships, so uh, we have onboarded uh, Litmus Edge, uh, and we can use devices also on mm -hmm. that, so why not? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I think that th this is this is fantastic. Uh, Tommy, again, I, I appreciate your time so far. I do want to go, I, and I, I prepared him for this, uh, ladies and gents, so I'm excited to see uh, wh where this goes, right? So I am asking everyone that, that I talk to at Hanover kind of what their what their predictions are for the future, and it is also one of those questions that I ask all of our guests on the show. So, Tommy, wh where do you think our industries are going to go in the next, you know, two or three years? Well, 
in two or three years, uh, yes, I, I believe uh, that we are uh, we are uh, moving more and more to the edge. So of course, yeah. cloud cloud stays there, but but the real time uh, uh, real time handling of the data and uh, refining the information is going to edge. So cloud will stay for bigger initiatives and, for example, building the ML models and. Uh, keeping the whole picture on hands, but then, then individual plant level uh, things will, what I think, will, will go more and more to the uh, on-prem environment and to it. Absolutely. I, yeah. I feel like for a number of years we were fighting to leave on-prem into the cloud, and it, it doesn't work, and it doesn't work exceptionally well. We've got some crazy music going on immediately to our right. <laughs> I don't know if you guys can hear that over the show, but but we, we, we were pushing to get to cloud, and now like I feel like we've come through cloud, and now we've decided to come back to edge. Yeah. I guess, in my opinion, I'm one of those crazy people that would consider PLC the edge, right? Like, like in my opinion, a PLC or a or a DCS controller has always been the edge. Yeah, we are now just true. bringing more. Yeah. So w the edge is where we've always been. Yeah. Now we're just putting more computing processing, more controller, more ML capabilities yeah. on the edge, and yeah. and to me that just makes sense. Yeah. So I absolutely agree. We are going to stay on edge, and then we're going to find solutions to be able to go push it up to the cloud so that we can capture all of the benefits of AI and ML and everything yeah. along those lines. Yeah, definitely. Uh, perfect, thank you. Uh, and then, then Tommy, uh, next question for you is, so we'd love some career advice. Uh, and then yeah. as, as, I was, as I was saying, uh, I will be interested to know kind of how much your experience in, in a very different place than most of our listeners will will correlate to their experiences. But, but what have you done right? What, what have you maybe wished that you did differently um, in your career? Well, uh, I think that most important uh, advice from me is that trust yourself. Okay. Yeah, that's because in my early days I didn't do that. So I was uh, listening wrong advices, for example. Yes. But then I, I started to trust myself and uh, I saw the whole picture uh, emerging from, from... So I've been uh, now... Um, boldly going to that direction and I'm here. So yes. I think that it was a right decision to uh, lean on, well, this is this is lean on commonly known standards, for example. Yes. Don't try to uh, invent a wheel again and again. Yes. And use, use the something that is known to work. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. I, I would say in, in English or maybe American, we've got the expression like trust your gut. Yeah. I, I, feel, I feel like that, that very much. Yes, my, my English is not, not that natural. So I, I hope that you can still understand. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> no, no. I, I think that this has been amazing. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited for this one because I, I know where, where it's coming. But, but Tommy, you know that I like to ask people for, for book or content recommendations. Yeah. And, and I think you've got a first for us in the book recommendation. So I'm, I'm going to let you go, go for it. All right. Yes. Thanks. Thanks, Dave. So uh, I read a lot. I use uh, whenever possible. And I like to read uh, physical books. Yes. I like the touch and feel of, of the book. I look, of, of course, I read uh, a lot of uh, 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 e-material e too. But... Yes. Uh, Whenever possible, I, I, I like to read an actual book, and my recommendation is, is uh, 
very, very, no, very well-known uh, Finnish writer uh, Mika Valtari and his book Sinuhe Egyptilainen, which is telling about ancient Egypt life uh, okay. and how, how the world was maybe two, three thousand years ago. I think that is very interesting. Uh, one, just to consider a, a Finnish author talking about Egyptian culture, yeah. because I imagine those cultures are are maybe not polar opposites, but like in yeah. Finland, in my mind, there's lots of snow and cold. Yeah, yeah. In, in Egypt, in my mind, there's lots of sand and not cold. Yeah. So, uh, so, so I, that that made me smile when you said it. So you get, and it also makes me smile because Vlad is going to have to attempt to go find the link on Amazon in, in order to go find that book yeah. and put it in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, so. Good luck, Flat. See, if he was here, he probably would have words for words for me, but he's not here. So, yeah. uh, good luck, Vlad, or, or good luck, uh, ChatGPT, or, or whomever we're getting yeah. to to attempt to go pull um, interesting at notes. At one out. day, at one day, some uh, Chat uh, GPT AI or some kind of that will will listen our discussion yes. and then then contact to us and tell tell something maybe yes tell us how wrong we were yeah exactly <laughs> a absolutely no so tell me that th this has been fantastic our last question for you as we wrap up here is is who should reach out to you who are you looking to connect with is nokia uh looking for for customers or, or partners or or any of those things? yeah actually both and all so so we are partnering with with uh, Especially my role is uh, we are partnering with uh, application develop developers, so looking for new startups and established companies mm -hmm. to uh, bring their uh, well-known applications yes. to our platform. Mm -hmm. And we are, of course, looking for customers and also partners in, in, in then who can who can build end end user solutions? Yes, okay. because more and more we are trusting to others to build build the end user solution, and that's what we do um, more. Yeah, more, more and more. Okay. Like ex example, this Kindle deal, what we has with what we are ex uh, executing currently. Absolutely. No, I, I think that's very exciting. Again, Tommy, thank you for coming and chatting with us. Thank you, everyone. It was for my pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out. I yeah. will ask people to like and subscribe, Tommy, because I found if I ask people to do that, then they do it, and it makes the numbers go up. So if you guys are listening in podcast format, please go rate us five stars where you can. Please hit the follow button so the podcast comes out um, on the, the normal Thursday that these comes out. If you guys are watching on LinkedIn, please connect with me. Uh, we weren't sure when we were going live, so I will make sure to go ahead and tag Tomi in this. Uh, please follow Litmus and Nokia. I will make sure all of those tags are in there as well. And we will catch everyone next Wednesday. I will be back on the East Coast. And so same time, same place as ever. Thank you all. Bye-bye. Cool. Thank you for that. Thank How you. was it? I was of course nervous. I have